This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. What's going on, brother? What's up, man? Bro, tell us, tell us about the locks, man. The locks? What you mean? What you want to know? Because we hear you on the podcast, but we don't get the visual. So I don't know <laughs> if everybody knew. Hey, man, I think everybody knew. I think everybody knew. I haven't they, talked they about, but I haven't it. talked about it because I think there was, a, there was, you know, I think we had, I want to say two years ago, two years ago, three years ago, we had a barbershop podcast. Yeah, we had that. a barbershop. Durag. And yes, I do. Yes, I do call them dreads. I do. I am not. I, I am not. Okay, we're not gonna start a controversy already, but I uh-oh, do call uh-oh, them dreads. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm okay. I'm okay with calling them dreads. Okay, we'll talk about that <laughs> later. We'll do that on the podcast. But now, nah, man, I um actually wanted to go on this journey uh, with my hair, and I actually wanted it to be concurrent with the journey that was happening at the witness. Actually, that was wow. that was a big part of it. And then secondarily, part. yeah. So secondarily, I also wanted to. Uh, create a moment for young black Christians to see someone who looks like me operating in spiritual authority. So Mm. I actually wanted there to be a sense in which many people, many, many young black Christians have the testimony and the experience. And we can talk about this um, in many of our experiences of not having a black pastor or a black leader, much less a black pastor or a black leader who looks like them. And so, you know, I think there's a level to which like there is a symbolism of you need to see at, at some point in time, the, the young people who go to our church will say, our pastor looks like us and he exercised spiritual authority. That's possible. Um, so that's, that was a big part of it, man. And I think it looks cool and it's easy. So, yeah. Oh, good. Yes, absolutely. I'm trying to grow mine out again. Do the, oh, yeah. Do so the, that's uh, what I was thinking. I was getting spine. ready to ask. Like, I was thinking like, yo, yep. and, 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 and people need to understand like that even down to the way we carry ourselves here at The Witness and especially on Pastor Mike, that deeply, profoundly matters to us because we recognize the gaps with which we saw possibility and imagination. That's right. So we were limited in how we grew up and what we thought was possible. That's why people choose whiteness because they're like, oh, this is the only Mm. way to be. So I'll suppress who I am and I won't be free. So I'll choose chains because it seems like that's the only Christian way. That's right. Um, and so we're trying to to push back against that. Anyway, that's I could right. talk about that for days. I mean, that's good. That's good. I mean, it, it, it all ties together. Right. Because a lot of people mistake unity for uniformity. Hmm. So even is this a podcast? Are we recording? I don't know. I don't know. We need to uh, somebody press. Record you saw my, quick. Look, whenever, look, whenever my voice gets really high, that means I'm like, look, what can I do to record this? Uh oh, uh oh, this IG. Um, <laughs> go ahead, go off, bro. You was cooking. Unity and uniformity, right? And so that that happens even aesthetically, right? So this is um, black women in hair, of course, and you know, our natural curls, right, needing to be straightened to be uniform with white aesthetic, European aesthetic, right? I remember going to 
these these meetings in Presbyterianism are called uh, uh, Presbytery meetings, right? Mm -hmm. And it, there was a uniform among the white guys there. Mm -hmm. They had a blue blazer, the one with the gold buttons, right. and uh, maybe a polo shirt or a button shirt and khakis. And they were all, you know, basically clean cut, right? Yeah. I felt like I had to do that thing. Right. And the thing that changed me, I was an interim principal in Jackson, Mississippi for a year. Most people don't know that. I don't talk about it. But I had um, that boy was on the ground. That boy was black on the boys. ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fifth and sixth grade black boys who came in with their hair grown out looking sharp. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing that these 10, 11, 12 year olds gave me a vision for myself mm. that I, as an adult, didn't have. And I said, if it's good for these young men, it has to be good for me, too, because I'm looking at them like young kings. And I'm like, dang, they, they schooling me here. So anyway, it wow. all ties in with the witness, right? Because when you and I and Shannon and the rest of the team walk into a room representing the Witness Incorporated or these divisions, the Black Christian Collective, or this division, the Witness Foundation, looking like we do in our embodied selves unapologetically, mm. it gives a new narrative mm. and it expands the vision. That's the watch Man. word right now, expand. That's the word. Come on, <laughs> come on. Dude, so anyway. this is, this is, Man, that's phenomenal. I, I appreciate you asking that question because I think that's unlocked so many things in people. Um, we actually need to talk about that a little bit more um, on a later date. And as we talk about expansion, man, the witness is expanding. We've been quiet for a minute. Quiet. We've been quiet. Like we've been quiet because we've been plotting behind the scenes. And this is funny because, again, this is just the start of the announcements that we're making. Right. There are more, so many more announcements to come over the next couple of days that I think are going to really encourage and inspire people. But Man, talk a little bit about what led you to expand and what led you to expand in this moment in a pandemic. Yeah, I fundamentally believe that if the concept is right, you'll figure out the details. Hmm. So that was true when we started The Witness in 2011. It was just the right thing to do. What that would look like, I had no idea. What shape it would take, I had no idea. Over time, we added the blog and the podcast we finally did a conference and then mm -hmm. october 2019 we announced the foundation again i just thought the concept is correct we need to find train and financially support black christian leaders what that was going to look like i had no idea but god brought along the right people and the right team and we wrestled with this that's why we've been quiet honestly and you'll remember even better than I do, it was the conference that really spurred a lot of this yeah, expansion. Absolutely. Be because as great as it was, it revealed and highlighted all the many ways we needed to improve. And so that, it's been a, a year-long journey of really difficult internal conversations, figuring out what we've done well, what we've done poorly, what we need to add, what we need to subtract. And that's how we got to this idea of expansion. Yeah. And and that expansion includes multiple organizations. Can you talk about why you felt like the umbrella, the Witness Inc. was mm. the wise move? Because initially, and this is some insider here, but, you know, for a minute, <laughs> strictly for the like, IG Live strictly crew, for the IG Live crew. Um, but for a minute, we were like, when the Witness Foundation came about, we felt like there was going to be a split in our organizations, not in a negative way, just a parting of ways due to shifting of vision and mission. And so we were prepared and we were preparing for Jamar and the foundation to exit out. 
and for the BCC to remain and do and be in collaboration as much as we possibly could, but not under the same umbrella. Um, talk a little bit about why that was important, because I think that's mm -hmm. really important for people to understand that it's possible for Black people to work together. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So it, it was my original thought that, that, that the foundation would spin off and become its own 501c3 and we would have a cordial relationship, but nothing formal in terms of on paper or legally. Um, but through conversations with you and others in the organization, we said, you know what, there's more synergy than not. And the reality is the foundation was going to need everything that the BCC brought and the foundation could enhance, further enhance what the BCC had. Now, all that being said, it's harder this way yeah, be because we have to coordinate. And so we have a it's team hard. of four to five people on each side that we have to keep informed, that we have to keep on the same page, that, you know, if one division says go, the other division says wait, slow down, right? And so it's the much more, uh, it's the narrow path. But oftentimes, as Jesus tells us, that's the path to take. And so now it's, I think it's even more powerful publicly, right? To say we are expanding as one organization so they can see the growth and, and, mm -hmm. um, I think we have a greater impact together than when our efforts are dispersed, which has always sort of been an issue among uh, black organizations seeking to do good in whatever sphere. A lot of different entities doing good work, but to the degree that there's a lack of coordination or unity, we actually uh, minimize our impact. Mm, man, that's so good. There's so much to unpack there. Um, I'm trying. I mean, to just think about think about the think about the 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 the, the just the impact, just just the sort of sound of it, the witness incorporated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It yeah. sounds important. Yeah. And we've been important. Yeah. Come but on. People haven't known it. Right. I and now it. we've got we've got a president. We've got an ED. We've got teams. We've got media. We've got fellowships and foundations and philanthropy. And we're still one unit. Mm. We have clout. We've been yeah. had it. But others are beginning to recognize it is my mm. hope. Man, so you decided to expand. And as you expanded up, you decided to elevate some of us. Um, <laughs> and that is extremely humbling. That is extremely humbling and overwhelming to see the faith that you have placed in us. Um, so I just want to say, number one to you, um, thank you for this opportunity to lead the BCC. Um, very few things are as honoring as someone passing you what has been their life's work and their life's vision. Um, and so for you to do that, I just want to acknowledge and, and honor you um, in that you're breaking up. Teddy, Teddy Riley, ladies yo, and gentlemen. Yo, it wasn't even like that. It wasn't <laughs> even like that. Nah, man. I got a call. I got a call from my boy, our friend BJ Thompson and the phone. Oh, what up, BJ? Couldn't handle all the black excellence at once. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, look, I wanted to tell people, I've been treating this like folks already knew, but in case you didn't know, I wanted to say congratulations to you, brother, on being promoted from vice president of the BCC to president of the Witness, a black Christian collective. You, you, you in there, you the man. Hmm. Thank you, brother. Um, humbling, blown away. 
like I've I know the weight that you have placed in the organization to bless sweat and tears. And so I promise to snatch that baton and run as hard as I possibly can. Uh, as far as I possibly can, I'm not running by myself. That's why I have so much uh, confidence in what's next. But uh, thank you, man, for that um, for that faith. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I couldn't think of a better person on the planet, because if y'all didn't know, Tyler has already in so many ways been guiding our vision. When we were going through the name change process to come up with the witness, uh, Tyler was instrumental in that in helping us be black centered. Do y'all know? I know you know how 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 easy it is to get pulled as black people in other directions. It, how easy it mm-hmm. is yeah. to center white people, even as we're trying to do good stuff for black folks. And so Tyler was instrumental, especially in helping me personally be like, nah, forget all that. Like, like you, what matters here is serving black folks. And there's always going to be detractors. There's always going to be people who try to tear you down, but keep your eye on the prize. And so I am thrilled that that I just think I just think we're going to feel um, what you said before, Christocentric and Afrocentric. Um, what Shalice on the, the foundation side has said, Christocentric and, and black serving. Right. Mm. So I and that's a unique voice. But you can talk that's more so about that in the field, in the landscape of this kind of work. Tell us how unique that is to, to truly be. Um, because you typically have to choose between one or the other, right? Yeah. Man, uh, I, I was actually reflecting, and it'll come out in a piece uh, later on this weekend or top of next week um, on the Witness BCC, uh, just kind of a overarching vision of this future of the organization. But I was thinking in that piece about the first time we met and our first conversation. And so we met at a men's conference that was sponsored by Reach Records in 2012 and i remember the way we met was kind of an accident because i got up and i was feeling like the conference blues so i was like man i'm gonna use the restroom i'm gonna walk around and as i was coming back i was intending to come back but i was just like man i've taken in so much information and i'm exhausted and so i walked throughout the booths and i ran into uh jamar but first i was actually walking um and looking at like seminaries and seminary options and things like that and uh, all of a sudden I hear this voice behind me, hey, you trying to go to seminary? You want to go to seminary? And I turn around and it was Jamar. And, uh, you know, so we kind of had this conversation and the way in which we had that conversation, it was almost as though there was a chemistry that was immediately there. There was a shared experience a knitting of souls, so to speak. But when I think about that conversation, it was an hour long. I skipped the next session. Um, we were just standing there just talking denying other people talking to him, everything. <laughs> it was it was really a powerful time. But man, I, the, the best way I can describe it is that conversation felt like oxygen. Mm. That conversation felt like I could breathe for the first time. Mm. Um, and life is too short for Black Christians not to be able to breathe. My, my, my. Life is too short for us not to have the ability to take a deep breath and exhale freedom. My, my, my. Life is too short, man. Um, and my whole life has been trying to claw back to those moments. Mm. Like my entire adulthood over the past eight years has been trying to claw back to moments of oxygen, mm. trying to drag my head above the waters of white supremacy. 
enough to be able to breathe the freedom God created me to experience. And we've been asking the question over the past eight years, essentially all, if I were to summarize it, why is black Christian freedom so elusive? Why does it feel like we're drowning? Why does it feel like we don't, we don't have any option? Why does it feel like we're not valued? Why does it feel like we don't have dignity? We have all of that. And I want to, in the context of the Witness BCC, emphasize the urgency of freedom, the urgency for us to walk in what God has called for us to do, the urgency of flourishing. Um, you know, someone mentioned it earlier, Rance Allen died. You know, Rance Allen is a gospel music legend. Chadwick Boseman died this year. I mean, there are so many other names that I can mention. Kobe passed away. I mean, there are so many other names of Black Christians and Black people in general um, whose lives were taken away from them quickly. And if not now, then when, y'all? If not us, then who? Mm. And so my desire is that Black Christians would, would experience freedom in soul and body. How do we do that? in soul and body, the Christocentric and the Afrocentric. I believe it comes through educating, encouraging, and empowering Black Christians to be free. I think that's what it looks like for the BCC. I think that's concretizing what we've already been doing. We've already been doing that, but it's drawing in a very clear statement of these are three buckets that we desire to constantly be pushing Black people towards education, encouragement, empowerment, education, encouragement, empowerment. And through the suite of podcasts and through the blog, and through the events and through the refreshing communities, we're able to walk together towards freedom. And, and I've used the word walk, but it's not walking, bro. It's running. We're yeah. sprinting towards freedom. There's too much urgency in this moment for us to act as though we're not supposed to be free. So that's what mm. I desire to witness BCC, to walk in and to lean in intentionally. Um, and we have a phenomenal team that's going to see that, see that through. You've been so helpful to me personally to lean into that freedom and and basically say don't take on burdens that aren't your own don't take on burdens that aren't yours to bear the burden of convincing white supremacists not to be white supremacists look the, man. Bur- <laughs> the burden <laughs> of uh that's the holy know, spirit's job my man i'm telling you and and it has been so freeing and it is like a weight being lifted off of yourself so that you can breathe and uh, I, I just love that vision, right? So it's like it's like we claw our way up to the surface and breach the surface of white supremacy just so we can breathe. But then we crawl our way to dry land so that mm. we can start walking and then start running toward freedom. And that's yes. the journey yes, that we're on. That's so it. as I think of this 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 concept of expand. Mm-hmm. I read a tweet by a therapist a couple of weeks ago that stuck with me and it said basically um, pay attention to the people who when they're around you feel like you can breathe. Come on bro. Pay attention to the people when they're around you feel like you can breathe. Those are your people. Go where you're celebrated not tolerated. Right? That's what I hope the Witness Inc. in general is, is a place where black people can be celebrated in all of their their selves, body and soul. And that we are people around whom and and other folks gathered around whom you can breathe and expand. 
yeah. and run, not yeah. walk toward freedom. I love that. That's good. Man, That's good. and I, I was thinking about this concept of um, what it truly means to be a witness, man. And um, we'll talk about this more on the podcast, but there is a sense in which, man, witness witnesses are supposed to be storytellers. We're supposed to tell a, a greater and a better narrative. Um, Eddie Glaude in his book, Begin Again, which I'll talk about a little bit uh, more at the end of this year when we do our cultural artifacts. <laughs> you already we do our cultural artifacts. Look, man, I already got 10 things, so you just got to catch up. Yeah. Um, and he talks about Baldwin. He says this is what Baldwin means when he, when he talks about being a witness. It means to tell the story. My, my, my. Come on. <laughs> it means to tell the story. I love it. I and love it. isn't love that it. what Jesus is calling us to in Acts 1? You know, you'll receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witness. You'll be my storyteller. Wow. And we must tell a better story. Unpack We must it. tell a higher narrative. Yes. And within the expansive Black Christian tradition, which includes the Black church, Black faith activists, and also Black representatives in white majority evangelical spaces, we are called to tell a greater and a better story. And we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Narrative. Nobody's going to keep us... Nobody's going to keep. Nobody's going to keep us from telling the story, and that is the that is the level of holy defiance that we're walking in in this Amen. season. Amen. We will tell the story, regardless of who tells the counter narrative. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that it the is, truth a battle will rise. Yes, it will, the truth will rise. Yes, we will tell the story. Ah, I love it. You give me a word for tomorrow. Um, Preach that, preach that, doc. Preach that. I, I'm about to. I'm about to. I give credit. I give credit. Um, <laughs> narratives, y'all. Mm-hmm. The stories we tell ourselves, and the stories we believe, and the stories they tell us. Mm. I'm gonna unpack something real quick. I got three things to talk about, but let me talk about this. I've come. I have all these conversations with white folks who are resistant to the idea. That, that racism and white supremacy are as urgent an issue as they are. And, and, and underneath their objections is this. At some point, every white person has to ask themselves, what if all this stuff about racism and white supremacy is true? Mm. And if it is true, what does it mean about me? What does mm. it mean about my self-concept? What does it mean about the fact that I think I'm a generally good person, that I don't harbor animosity toward anyone because of the color of their skin, that I may have participated in and benefited even if unwittingly in a system that advantages me and puts others at a disadvantage. They have to ask that question. Mm. Some ask it and humbly say, yeah, that's true. I acknowledge it and repent. Many, many, many others say, no, it can't be true. The story I tell myself about myself is stronger than this story that somebody else is telling me, right? But here's the other other side. Black people and other people of color have to also ask themselves, what if what they're telling me about me is true? Mm. That's the question we're constantly Mm. confronted with each and every day in a world that denigrates our imago Dei in a myriad ways, the, the, the pressure is always for us to believe what they say about us, that we are not as good as, that we are inferior, that we are uh, lesser in some way. And, and, and as, as unapologetic as any black person is, I don't care if it's Malcolm X you're talking about, 
everyone, every black person has to battle against that. And it's not a one-time decision. It's an yeah. everyday battle. And so we all have to ask ourselves, and it's fundamentally a question about narrative. What story are we going to believe? Yeah. That's why I love what you're saying about, about t being a witness is, is telling a story. It reminds me of that uh, quote from Baldwin in The Fire Next Time, um, in that initial essay, My Dungeon Shook. He says to his nephew, speaking about his father, he says, he was defeated long before he died because deep in his heart, he really believed what white people said about him. He was exactly. defeated because he believed the narrative. Exactly. He believed what they said about him. And it draws me back to my black church upbringing where I could guarantee you one Sunday a month, someone would break out and say, whose report will you believe? Mm. Mm. We will believe the report of the Lord. Mm. Whose report, whose story will you believe? Wow. Whose narrative will you accept? My, my, my. We will believe the report of the Lord. My, 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 whose report will you believe? Ah, hallelujah. Whose narrative <sighs> will you allow to have preeminence and power? Good night. Woo. That's the, that's the black, that's the expansive black Christian tradition. That's a black church. That's the, that's the Hammond B3 organ I need right now. Um, <laughs> if I was, me. look, look, I wish I could preach it like I feel it. I wish I could preach it like I feel it. <laughs> You about to woo, you about to get me in some trouble, Tyler, because I'm something. <laughs> um, let me say two more things. Uh, yeah, it, it ties to the narrative, right? One of the things that I think is so important about us expanding is one of the narratives we have believed as black people is that everything we do is going to be done from a position of scarcity. Mm. One of the narratives we believed as black people is that everything we do is going to be done from a position of scarcity, by which I mean myriad things. So especially nonprofit justice work. I think a lot of us just sort of assume that we will not have the resources that we need, that people won't catch the vision to the degree that we need them to, to, to really support the work. And the, the, the danger of that as true as it is in some cases, the danger of that is that we stopped, stop expecting more. Mm. So I'll never forget, um, you know, I'm in the Delta in one of the poorest counties in the nation. And when you drive downtown, which is supposed to be the most happening place in any city, right? It looks, it looks bombed out. There are, there are buildings that are crumbling, that are just shells. There's literal bricks and rubble. Uh, from from buildings that have simply fallen down and caved in on themselves. And I remember um, so in my first couple of months here and I was talking to my principal who had hired me and I said, do you ever get used to seeing this? And he said, I hope I never get used to seeing this hmm. because this is not the way it's supposed to be. And I think Oof. that is what's happened with us. We have gotten so used to scarcity. We have gotten so used to the destruction wrought by racism and white supremacy that we're numb to it and we're not expecting anything better. At least not in our day to day, not in our ministry, not in our justice work. And so part of, I think, what the witness is doing is saying, we're going to do this work 
And we're going to do our darndest to have everything we need. We want as much as they've got yeah. to do their abundance. work. Abundance. abundance. From scarcity to abundance, which leads to expansion. That's so good, bro. That's a word right there. You need to preach that, man. That's, that's a word. We're going we gonna, <laughs> we gonna to get free. What did he say? Plunder the Egyptians. My, my, my. He did say that. He said that. Go into the camp. And, y'all. Shoot. You lucky. Don't get me. Podcast, don't don't get me. <laughs> Go into the camp and get free. My, my, my. He didn't say get free and, and, and have nothing. All right. Look, y'all going to look. Say it. Okay. Say it. We got we to gotta liberate some folks. Folks I, still I need getting people, free. I need people to understand that it is it is. To refuse to accept and to refuse to pursue all that God has for us. My God, my God. Is a denial of our dignity in and of itself. My God. To refuse it. Yeah. And I hope people understand what I'm saying. I believe that this is not for frivolous use or for material advancement, but this is for the the necessity of our assignment. Mm, Again, black church, black church. Yeah. Where yep. God guides, God provides. Yeah. <laughs> Where yes. God gives a vision, He will also give provision. My my my. This this is what this is what I was raised to believe. And somewhere along the line, we started getting into deserve, and we mm. started believing the narrative that we didn't deserve all that mm. because if we get all that, it's going to corrupt us. Mm. That's right. And, and the people who told us that had all that had all and that. didn't want to share. And so the mentality now is, well, we don't really, we just going to scrape by. We just going to barely make it. We just going. And it's the scarcity mentality of it's only so much. And God is calling us to abundance for the assignment that he's called us to. Not for ourselves. Not for us. But so that the kingdom. The kingdom can advance. I like. And if it's true. Yeah. That God has and God owns all. Will not the God who who loves us and cares? Will not the Good Father give to His children? Mm. It, it's just it. We have. If you believe a fundamental, this is the thing. It all it all flows from believing one narrative point. We are not like them. Mm. We are not as good as them. And if you believe that one fundamental point, you'll forfeit everything that God has for you off that one point. One point. So then you'll deny the abundance. Then you'll 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 shrink back in a time when you can expect. I, I was I was having a conversation with uh, a family in our church because um, I went over and did an outside house blessing of their their house. They bought a house in a pandemic. They've been waiting for four years to buy a house in a buying house in a pandemic. I said, yo, yo. Young family. I said, y'all realize y'all, y'all winning in a pandemic? I want y'all to understand that, that you're winning and God is wow. blessing you Wow! in a pandemic. Do you realize how countercultural this is? Wow. And do you realize how mystifying it is and how mysterious it is to the outside world to see you advancing in the time when so many people are shrinking back? And this is not to say we believe in this, you know, whatever, you know, reckless prosperity idea. Yep. But this is to say that we believe that what God has for us is for us. Whew. And racial trauma, someone mentioned racial trauma, racial yep. trauma 
will slowly rob you of the ability to imagine. The witness is doing this right now so that someone will decide to dream again. Ooh, say it again. That's why we're doing this, so that you can dream. It's not about, it's not about it. This is more work for us. There's more work. There's more at our time. more work. And racial trauma will cause, will create the conditions for you to fight them so that they will believe what you should already believe about yourself, regardless of what they believe. You need to dream. Black Christians need to dream again. Wow. Imagine. Wow. And that's what we're doing at the, at the BCC, at the foundation, the Inc., overarching all of it. We want to create the conditions for black imagination. My God. That's a word, Pastor. The last thing we really should end on that. Um, nah, good. keep going. That's good. Okay. It's getting so, good to me now. It's getting good to me. <laughs> so y'all know, y'all know Kev on stage. Uh, we've actually had him on the podcast before and yeah. before, before he blew up, blew up. And uh, he cracks me up because, you know, he'll do these uh, comical, he intends them to be comedic uh, sermons, right? But he mm-hmm. actually be saying a word. Um, <laughs> that's when the anointing, the word can return. You know, <laughs> yeah. I put it on one of my IG stories. He was talking about, yeah. um, you know, following like the GPS and mm-hmm. uh, an obstacle in your path, but you still on the fastest route. That got me. Mm. Anyway, something else that he did. They they come up with the most creative ways to advertise for their virtual comedy shows, which they're doing in the yeah. pandemic. And um, but he got serious once and it really struck me. So usually they do skits and the yeah. skits can be about anything, but then they lead you toward buying a ticket. Right. Well, this time he was just doing a straight at the camera thing. He's just like, look, let me be real with y'all. And he told his story about coming from scarcity to now living in L.A. to Mm -hmm. to doing quite well for himself. And he Mm -hmm. says, listen, all y'all talk about black business, this black people, that. But then when it comes time to actually put your money down Mm. and support black businesses, Mm. y'all don't show up. And he was saying, of course, this in the context of the comedy show where these brothers and sisters are working their butts off to make us laugh in the midst of a pandemic. And all he's saying is show up, show up for us concretely, show up for these businesses financially. And and I think that's the challenge and the charge too. Hmm. So it's thrilling, it's exciting to expand, but it, it, it takes money, it takes retweeting, it takes commenting, it takes contributing, it takes writing blogs, it takes all of this support from people. And of all people we should be able to count on, it should be our own. It should be mm. our kinsmen according to the flesh, right? Yeah. So it's a challenge. You know, if you appreciate what we're doing at The Witness, if you appreciate the expansion. You sound a real hotel, Jamar. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you, if you do, it's just like. I'm messing with you, bro. for real. <laughs> This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. 
PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu admit. No, but what, what I think you do, what I think you are, you are emphasizing, we have had a core model of liberation and the desire for liberation is good, but the model for liberation has been a, a select few standard bearers bear the weight of the, mm. of the movement. Yes. And they kill themselves. They run yep. themselves into yep. the ground by bearing the weight of the movement and people mobilize. And I'm not saying people don't mobilize, but if you take a look at what they say, 13% of black churches supporting the civil rights movement, the freedom struggle in the 60s. There's, there's a sense in which there's a lack of collaboration. And then part of that is their fault too, because they didn't allow black women at the table, you know, different people groups that they were offended by, didn't want to receive from. So part of that is their fault too. But there, there's another sense in which it's like, we need everybody. This is a movement. And for this, for us to be free, we must have a wide, expansive black Christian movement. And if we don't, we can't do it by ourselves. It's impossible. That's right. No way. There's no way we're going to accomplish this by ourselves. That's why we have a team. That's why we have people, extended family. That's why we call this a collective. And Mm -hmm. so it is tapping into that collective communal mindset, which Mm -hmm. marks Black uh, experience in America and which marks the Black Christian experience as well. That's a good word, man. We got to show up. Everyone. Mm -hmm. We're doing our little part and we don't elevate that part we don't elevate that part to make it seem like it's, oh, it's the most important part that anybody's ever done. But we know we are supposed to be faithful in the race that God has called us to run. We got to show up. And black Christians, our black Christian brothers and sisters got to show up as well. Love it, man. I didn't know we was going going this deep. Let me see if we can, we need to see if we can pull this audio. This is the podcast, right? The podcast. I mean, for real, it really is. I don't know if IG let us do that, but some some things are for the moment yeah yeah man i appreciate you brother i'm excited about moving forward um i'm also excited about ways that people can partner as well which is coming in the next few days so yes ways so i see the can, question uh, here walk with us how can how can somebody ask a question how can white people show up um with humility mm-hmm. uh so we will get to that <laughs> that's coming <laughs> uh, pay pay attention in the next few days yeah absolutely well Hope this has been a, a boost to you Saturday. Uh, we just wanted to hop on and uh, just explain and express our appreciation and gratitude for you and explain the, the changes that are happening on The Witness. So much we left out, so much still to come. But we love y'all. This is for y'all. It's so black Christians can be free in soul and body. Um, so the only question is, will you be a witness? Will Amen. you join us? We love y'all. <laughs> See y'all later. Peace. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. 
Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.